For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. In James and Peter and Hebrews, it says, he suffered, we're going to suffer. He went through things, we're going to go through things. So that his son might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay? And having chosen them, he called them to come to them. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Can somebody say, I am excited about that? God called me, but he gave me everything to live this life. So what shall we say about all these wonderful things? God gave me the abilities. God gave me the benefit. God gave me the help. God gave me the hope. So what can I say about all of these things? Here is that foreboding verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for me, who the heck can be against me? And then it goes on. He said... I didn't even spare my own son, but I gave him up for you all. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Let me just talk to you for a couple minutes. Y'all mind if I get a little closer? I'll say distance, but it's about six feet. You and I need hope more than we need anything. We need hope that everything is going to work it out. I've been praying with these two about a situation they've been going through, and hope kind of showed up, didn't it? And kind of took your situation and has turned it around, hasn't he? Is it all complete and all fulfilled? Probably not all the pieces, but it's a whole lot closer than it was. That's called hope. Hopeless is when nothing changes. And, you know, sometimes, and I want to, folks, you know me, I'm just a straight shooter. Bang, bang. (laughs) The hopeless feeling is not an outside feeling. It's an inside feeling. And it's a feeling that we grab a hold of. Carlisle, good to see you. That we hold on to. Can, can I tell you why? Some of us like that feeling. You say, who would like that feeling? People that like to feel that they're kind of the underdog. That they're more victim than victor. And I, I can't tell you all, I 
have been there too many times. Well, not in the last 24 hours, but hey. So what I'm about to speak this morning, there's a lot of Scripture, which is kind of interesting that I would leave my Bible at home. But thank God for memory. David, thank you. (laughs) NLT, matter of fact, most of my reading is going to be out of NLT today. So you see, here was a God moment. Thank you, David. I'm going to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 8 because it's a long passage of Scripture that I did write down because I didn't have the entire chapter of Romans 8 memorized. People tell me all the time, say, Pastor, man, you say you're not a concordance, but you sure, you sure know a lot of, yeah. That's called 40 years of spending time with my dad. That's the only way. That's the only way you can get to know the depths What was the song? Deep cries out to deep. Romans chapter 8. It's right in between John and Acts. You got Romans. Or actually in between um, John and Romans you have Acts. So Acts is right, or Romans is right after Acts. I, I don't remember exactly who said it. But somebody said that a man can live 40 days without food. And that is taken from the Bible. Because the longest fast recorded in the world are the 40-day fast in Scripture. They say that a man can live about three days without water. Now, I'm not sure where they come up with that, that part of it. And they have correlated these deep water people and people that have have commanded their body to work without air. They say in in the most of it, about eight minutes without air. But it has been proven over and over and over that a man without hope can't live at all. I'm going to segue to a movie. Y'all know I'm kind of a kid at heart. And I have been working really hard on my words. I don't say genuine hardly ever anymore. (laughs) Genuine. And I don't say frosty. I say frozen. (laughs) Because that's the movie's name. And I always knew it was the movie's name. But I didn't know. I just, it just came. Anyway, in, in the Frozen 2, I've watched it once or twice. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk about this guy that's, he's a rock, but he's a troll. No, don't, I don't believe in trolls. Don't go off, okay? I don't believe in all that junk. But the profoundness of the statements that were written into that trolls' mouths, was this. When you see no future, now I want you to hear me. I'm talking to those 
that having trouble with hope right now. You have to do the next right thing. Right was written on your heart. There's not a single person in here that has to be told what right is. But we have to do what's right when we don't know what to do. And sometimes in our lives, we get to those points. We get to those places. You know, one day it's this way. One day is that way. You know, it seems like I'm going forward and I'm going backward. You know, what, what is... I just do what's right. I just do what's right. I have fa- been faced with so many perplexities in these last few months. Folks, can I tell you something? Seminary never taught me how to pastor in a pandemic. It was not in Pandemic 101. It just wasn't there. And there's so much that I did not learn in seminary. I've been to seminary. I got rags on my wall. I got, a, I got two master's degrees. I was born with the first one, Tim Masters. <laughs> the second one I had to go to school for. The doctorate and the, and the bachelor's and, and my, my, uh, my, uh, my Ph.D. and I, I got all kinds of degrees, but can I tell you something? In seminary, they never taught you real life. <laughs> they taught you just stuff. Well, this is life. And the thing that I find as a pastor, one of my biggest jobs is to be a bringer of hope. Because people can't live without hope. And as I've already shared, folks, if you put your hope in me, you're doomed to fail. Listen, if you put your hope into somebody else, you're doomed to fail. Because we are flesh and blood. We will fall short of God's glory. Can somebody that believes that say amen? Amen. I want to start out by saying these words. In Christ, our hope is secure. In Christ, our hope is secure. Now I want you to turn to somebody next to you or sitting a distance, and I want you to articulate those words. Why? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, that's the Word of God. In Christ, our hope is secure. They need to hear that this morning. So tell somebody sitting next to you, in Christ, our hope is secure. Go ahead, tell them. Come on, say it again, church. Come on, say it again. I want to hear you believing it. Come on, one more time, everybody. Do you believe it? Do you? Let Let me show you someone who spent 66 books building that fact in people's lives. Moses is done. He got him out of Egypt. Boy, was that a trip. 40 years. 40 years. 
40 years getting them out of Egypt. You say, well, it took them that long to get them out of Egypt? No, it took them that long to get Egypt out of them. Forty years. Round the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain, 40 years. And can I tell you something that should encourage you? It all started with a basket case named Moses. Okay, some of you guys will get that when we're all done. Remember his mother put him in a basket, put him down the Nile River, she t- out of a... My humor does get better, John. So Moses is gone, and God's first encouraging words in Joshua chapter 1 to, Moses, uh, to Joshua is, Joshua, Moses is dead. It's time for you to do the next right thing. Aren't you glad that God just started it that way? Moses is dead. But then he said these words. Once again, for 66 books, God has done nothing but try to encourage his creation. He said, Joshua, in chapter 1, verse 5, no one, say that with me, no one, come on, say it again, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with my servant Moses, so shall I be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You think Joshua was a little discouraged right then? Matter of fact, God went on to say, as you read through that first chapter, you want to get a shot in the arm, read Joshua 1. God went on and said, Josh, every place you put your hand, I'm going to give you. Every place you set your foot, I'm going to give you. And he said, anybody or anything that rises against you, I'm going to take care of. Is that not hope-filled words? David, this morning, I was listening to him as he was reading in his backyard, uh, reading God's word over Flagstaff. You know, I, uh, I was, I'm kind of perplexed. I watched a couple people saying, what are you doing that for? It doesn't make any sense. God watches over his word to perform it. He said it will go forth and accomplish what David wants? No, what God wants. God's watching over his word to perform it. So now we got the, one of the biggest books in the Bible called the book of Isaiah. David's reading now Isaiah this morning. And he's, well, several different other places. And in Isaiah 41, I put it on the screen because I want you to listen to the words of hope. Do not fear. How many think when God tells you not to fear, that means he got it in control? Do not fear. What's the next four words? Because I'm with you. Do not fear, for I'm with you. And if it wasn't enough to tell you not to fear, he repeated and said, oh, oh, by the way, Don't get downtrodden. Don't get discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Because guess who's in charge? I am your God. And then let me just jump into it. I. Who's talking? Come Come on, who's talking? It's not a trick question. Who's talking? I will strengthen you. And help you. Look at this. 
I will hold you. And not just anywhere in my righteous right hand. Remember, we've talked about this for years and years. What's the righteous right hand of God mean? The all-encompassing omnipotence of God, of God. The power of God. In my righteous right hand. Who put you there? God did. Who can keep you there? God can. Who will hold you there? God will. Look what he says. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now let me turn this into 2020 language. And all those problems and those insignificancies that are coming against you right now shall be made as if they are nothing. Say, how did you get all of that out of that? See, the raging is not on the outside always, folks. Sometimes it's on the inside. All those that rage against you, I'll make ashamed and disgrace. Those who oppose you, I'll make as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies. Now, now listen to me. What is he talking about there? This is an inter- That's always been interesting. I can find people that don't like me. Nobody in this church. You always hope as a pastor there's nobody like that here, but okay. I can find my enemies, but what is he saying? They will no longer be significant to you. You see, for those people to bother you, their opinion has to matter to you. And they only matter if they're significant. Now, listen to me before you get, think of a pastor just, he's not caring about, I care greatly about people. I care about their soul. I care about their eternity. I care about their attitude. So I'm going to do everything to affect them, but I'm not going to let them affect me. I can't. My life would be changed. And it took Jesus long enough to get me the way I am. For me to let somebody get me some other way. I see a lot of people agreeing. So let me ask you, why do you let people get you that way? Why do you let things get you that way? God says, hey, I'm going to hold you. You're going to search for you. You're not even going to be able to, you're going to notice them anymore. Look what he says. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. God reiterated that understanding four different times in that one little paragraph. He said, I'm going to take care of them. Let me. For I am. Remember that? Moses at the burning bush. What did God say? Who should I say sent me? Moses asked. He said, just tell him I am. I am where you are. I am what you need. I am where you're hurting. I am where you're frustrated. I am where you're struggling. I am where you're hurting. I am where you're helpless. I am your hope in the midst of hopelessness. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of, look at this. Now what does he say here? Folks, we blow through scripture so much we miss it. What hand does he take a hold of? What's the right hand significant of? The power, the structure, the control, the direction of your life. He said, I'm not just grabbing you by the hand. 
or as some think, by the nap of the neck. He said, I'm going to grab a hold of you by your right hand. And this, this is one of, those, one of those passages. I love digging into God's Word. Look at this. Look at this. He says, he says I'm going to take you by the right hand. And then what's he say it again? Do not. Is that familiar? Oh, it started out that way, didn't it? Do not fear. And then look what he says. This is significant, folks. Do not be afraid or fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid. Twice in succession. And then he says, oh, worm Jacob. Was God saying the way he felt about Jacob or the way Jacob felt about himself? I got some worms looking at me. And folks, don't take that derogatorily because it really is not meant that way. We let too much beat us down. We let too much hold us down. We let too much crown our lives. What's another word for crown? Oh, corona, that's right. We let too much do not be afraid, O worm Jacob, O little Israel. God is saying that's how you feel about yourself, Jacob, but I don't feel that way. He said, for I myself will help you. Your Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Man, if I don't hurry up, I'm not going to get anywhere this morning. Let me take you to another portion, but I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles for this one, the 91st Psalm. This has become the most read psalm worldwide during this time. They have, they have studied this and said this psalm is the number one psalm being read during this time. Why? Because people want to know they're covered. They want to know they're protected. But there's two words, if you're in the 91st Psalm, go there. I, I got this out of the NIV because I, most of you all will have an NIV Bible. I want to start out with the very first line of the first verse. Because it's imperative to the rest of the chapter. If you don't get to the first line of the first verse and find yourself there, the rest of the chapter isn't yours. Didn't know that, did you? Oh, it's a great chapter. 91st Psalm is, you know, a beautiful psalm. Just incredibly encouraging. But yet, we just pass by the most important part of it. He who dwells. You know what dwells means? That means your place of living. That means your place of sustenance. That means everything you derive from is your dwelling. It's not just four walls. It is the very essence of your life. It's called the American dream, people to own a home. That dream's become a nightmare in some places. The cost of homes, 
But listen to that. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. Well, Pastor, I don't have any rest because you're dwelling in the wrong place. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, can't, I can't beat this stick enough. When life gets us down, I have to ask why. Life is life. Life is life. I can't tell you how many folks have said, well, I'm feeling okay under the circumstances. And I just say, what the heck are you doing under them things? Get out of under the circumstances. You can find circumstances everywhere. I want to dwell in the only place that I can find rest. Oh, it's not on the screen, sorry. I want to dwell in the only place. I wanted you to read this in your Bible because I want you to see this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me give you the pertinence of that. It's not just under the direct picture, but in the all-encompassing shadow. Have you ever seen the shadow? It'll just go for a long, 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 long way. It just starts dissipating. That's the same thing with God. What is God talking about here? Sometimes you might stumble and fall out the side of where you should be. Now, I know I'm not talking about anybody on this side, so I'll go back over here. You might not be right exactly where God wants you. Okay, I'm not talking about anybody over here. Let me get here in the middle. You may, you may have allowed things to beat you down and to overshadow. Okay, maybe I'm not talking to anybody. Or maybe I'm talking to everybody. Shall abide under the shadow of the, the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In whom I will trust. Now I want you to go to the end of that seventh verse. There's so much in this. So much in this. It really bothers me this, that we'll just read it. Well, I just need some encouragement, so I'm reading it. And not really dwelling in it. If you just dwelt in that one chapter, you'd be skiptoeing, tiptoeing through the tulips all day long. Look what it says here. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand may fall at your right hand. There's that right hand thing again. The place where you thought you had it together. Am, is anybody getting this today? A lot of us think we got it together, but we sure ain't acting like it. Now, don't get me wrong. That's all of us, me included. There's times that I don't act like it. But the reality, God says, you got it together, son, as long as you're dwelling in me. But the picture I want you to sit, look at this, says there, a thousand may fall at your, right, your left side. Or your side in 10,000 at your right hand. What is that picture saying? You're going to have problems. They're not going away. 
It's not going to change. I tell my wife uh, in, in pastoring, Pastor Jewel, and thank you all for praying for her. She is, she is back uh, with her sister, her, one of her sisters. Or one of her sisters, I should say, is with her. And it was right where that, they called it a, a land hurricane. Is that what they called it? And I can't remember the area. They live in Cedar Rapids. It's like a war zone. You know, I think we call it a microburst out here probably, but she's safe. Thank you for praying for her, and, and she's in good shape. Uh, <coughs> des- des- desperately missing me. <laughs> I'll throw that in there once in a while. Problems are never going to change. And this is what I tell my wife. I said, honey, life is life. When you become pastors, it adds spice to life. But it's life. And you, you make a decision how you're going to live in it and go through it. I put it on the screen because I want you to hear this. Everyone who is a man, I put man up there, but slash woman of God has omnipotence as their guardian. Omnipotence. That's just a really fancy word that says all of God's power, all of God's authority, all of God's dominion. The all-encompassing power of God. And Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 8 has promised that he'd never leave us, he'd never forsake us, he'd never leave us comfortless. Now I'm going to take you to another passage and then I'll start uh, going through this. Well, not really. Praise the Lord. Let me take you to Hebrews. It's on the screen. I'm doing this today because I'm talking about hope. And if we, would, if we would take this beautiful book and if we would read it, really saying, God, I need you. That's why when Heather said, Pastor, can we change that song up to here? Or maybe it was supposed to have been up there, but I just looked at it wrongly. I don't know. I thought, perfect for the message. When we come to the place to where we have to dip ourselves in that stream of living water, when we have to get quenched by the only thing that can quench our thirst, then we can really walk above and dwell in the shelter of the Most High and find the rest. Look what it says here. Let your character, literally character is talking about your moral disposition, the way you focus your life. When somebody's talking, when somebody says their character is showing, what they're literally saying is the real person is showing. Okay? Good or bad, right or wrong, strong or weak. That's what they're saying. Okay? Let your character, your moral disposition, look at this. I, I, I just think it's intriguing how God does this in His Word. It doesn't need, God writes pretty good, doesn't He? Be free from the love of money, greed, lust, or the craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstance right where you are. You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't like where I'm at. But you've got to read the rest of it. Four, 
He, God himself, has said, I'll not, I'm reading it, this is the Amplified Bible, so it's going to read different than most of your Bibles. Okay, this is just, uh, the Amplified Bible just basically expresses the, uh, the phraseology and the verbiage of the words, okay? For God himself has said, I'll not fail you in any way. I will not give up or leave you without support. And then when it says, it says in most of your Bibles, I will not leave you or forsake you. The Amplified went into the nuance of the word and said, no, nah, there's a whole lot more than just I will not. There is an assertion there uh, of such a firmness to gra- grab you, to make you. It's almost like a, you ever, you ever did this with your child? You took your child in their arms and you held them by their arms and, and you just looked at him and said, trust me, you can believe me. Have you ever done that? To get your child to really realize, I'm going to do this thing. If you're out watching online, sometimes we get to that place because of distance. Folks, there's an old adage that absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's a lie. Absence is not a good thing. You need to be together. Oh, you might be gone for a moment. That's fine and dandy. Like I said, my wife incredibly, and I know she's watching this morning. Hi, sweetie. She incredibly misses me, and she is just so fond watching me. I'm sorry, folks. I'm having a moment with my wife, okay? She's shaking her head. I can see it already. But there's times where we stay absent too long, and we wonder why it's not getting better. You can't get better from a distance. You've got to get back together. So look, look what he says here. This is, the, this is why in the, the, uh, the translators uh, in the Amplified Bible, they went in there and said, hey, there's a lot more here. So they emphasize the emphasis. He says, I will not, I will not, I will not. How many think God's trying to make a point? In any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Not even a moment will I relax my hold on you. Folks, is that hope or what? God said it don't matter where you're at or where you've been. I am going to get you where you're going. You just got to rest in me. Assuredly not. So take comfort and be encouraged and confidently, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm, tread, or fear, or be terrified that what man or anything else can do. You never realized there's so much in that little verse, did you? There's a statement that I've made for years and years, and that statement is very simply, peace is not the absence of problem. It's the confidence in the one who holds the situation. It's the confidence in the one who holds the solution. It's the confidence in the one who holds the problem. Security is the same way. Security is not the absence of danger. There are some people that are so caught up in this moment, they're afraid to go outside. They're afraid to do anything. You don't have to be. 
someplace in my Bible, it might be in your Bible too, just maybe, it says, greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. Is that in your Bible? Is that in your Bible? Okay, if that's in your Bible, then what are you worried about? Security is not the absence of danger. Remember, 10,000 may fall from your right hand or 1,000 may fall at your side. God said you're going to have the stuff, but you're not worried because security is not the absence of danger, but the confidence in the presence of God no matter what the danger. One man said that if, if the Father has the kingdom ready for us, He's going to take us all that needs to be done to get us there. Now, I asked you to open your Bibles. I'm going to take you to Romans chapter 8. And I'm probably going to have to... Well, I got through page 1, so I guess that's probably okay. You know, I put these notes together and I figure, oh, this is just go. I'll just read it. It doesn't work that way. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. That's why when David brought it up here, I said, okay, God, you knew what I needed. Romans chapter 8, very familiar passage of Scripture. And part of it is on the screen, but I'm going to read more than I have up there. Okay, but I want you to look at what's on there because I'm going to pay close attention to the one in blue. We are given, we were given this hope when we were saved. Now look at me. At salvation, everything that God has for you is yours. Everything is yours. But we'll only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ we reach out and take. Okay, there's that dwell and rest scenario. We were given this hope when we got saved. If we already... Now, I want, I'm going to help you understand hope. If we already have something, we don't have to hope for it. You see, before you got saved, you didn't have heaven. You didn't have victory. You didn't have strength. You didn't have confidence. Oh, you had little shots of it, little sparks of it when you succeeded in something, but you didn't have the all-encompassing, back to that word omnipotence, that encompassing confidence. So it says here, if you already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Are you there with me? But if you look forward to something you do not yet have, then because of hope, we patiently wait for it. Can somebody say amen? Okay. So let me, let me continue on here. Uh, in your uh, Romans chapter 8, the New Living Translation of what I'm reading out of. Verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Remember Jesus in our passage there in, in uh, John 14? He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. The comforter is another name for the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to send you so you will always be comforted. No matter what, no matter where, no matter the situation, you will always have comfort in Him. The Holy Spirit, it goes on and says, helps our weakness. For example, we don't know what we should pray for. How many have found 
words evading you with prayer right now. God, I don't even know how to pray. Anybody besides me? This is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so, so pertinent to a Christian's life. No, it is, you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues to be saved. Okay, It is afterwards. You don't have to speak in tongues or have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get to heaven. It does make the journey a little easier. And part of the, the picture here is what it says in these next words. For we don't know the words that we should pray for be expressed in words. There are people that have said for years and years, and biblically it is true, but it's so much more that this is the picture of the speaking in other tongues. It is, but it's also from the perspective, how many here love the Lord? Lift your hand if that's you. Not a trick question. You love the Lord? Okay. Have you ever just been praying and all you could do is just, oh, God. Oh, God. Lord Jesus. Uh, anybody besides me? That's part of that groaning. Your spirit inside is trying to bring comfort and help and strength. The spirit knows because he prays according to this scripture the exact will of of God. So let me go on here. Okay? Uh, starting with verse uh, 27. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's perfect will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Okay. We just, we blow through these scriptures. Oh, that's nice, that's nice. Without stopping to think of what it really is saying. Am I, am I making sense? Let me come closer so you can see me better. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Some translations have taken the word the out. Well, that, that, what is that, present participle? Is that what the is? Some of you scholars out there. I didn't do good in English. I know some of y'all are amazed, right? Look what it says here. For the good. You remember those thousands will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand? Listen to me. God ain't doing nothing about those. They're going to happen. But that's the the. I'm going to turn around for good. That thousands and that ten thousands, you know what it did for John? It made him stronger. What's the old adage? If it don't kill you, it just makes you stronger. I don't know. I think sometimes it kills you too. <laughs> I'm not sure about it. For the good. But once again, we go back to that 91st Psalm. We go back to Hebrews. 
there's a caveat. There's a catch. The good for those who love God. Not the world. Not the stuff. And are called according to His purpose. What's it saying? You stop making it about you and you make it about Him. Are you getting this, Ivan? This is good stuff. This Bible's pretty good stuff. Let me, let me finish on here. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. In James and Peter and Hebrews, it says, he suffered, we're going to suffer. He went through things, we're going to go through things. So that his son might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay? And having chosen them, he called them to come to them. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Can somebody say, I am excited about that? God called me, but he gave me everything to live this life. So what shall we say about all these wonderful things? God gave me the abilities. God gave me the benefit. God gave me the help. God gave me the hope. So what can I say about all of these things? Here is that foreboding verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for me, who the heck can be against me? And then it goes on, he said, I didn't even spare my own son, but I gave him up for you all. How much more will he give up for your peace, for your hope, for your strength? So now we go to this passage, the blue that I was talking about. Who dare accuse you? Now look at me. There's times in our lives that we think we're not all that in a bag of chips. There's times in our lives that we think we are less than. We are not measuring up, holding up, or standing up. Anybody besides me feel that way? Remember that right hand of God? God says, oh, that's okay. I got you back. Got you. Matter of fact, I got your butt too. Okay, some of you, some of you will get that later. Who dare accuse you whom God has chosen for his own? And then it answers the rhetorical question, no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. How did you get saved? God. How do you stay saved? God, how do you walk through this world? No one, for God himself gave us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Remember, old worm Jacob? 
Why do you feel that way about yourself? Why are you letting everything beat you down? Stop doing that. Who can condemn you? No one. Christ died for us and raised to life for us, and he sits at the place in honor of God's what? That place of authority, what is that representative of? It's representative of no matter where you've been, no matter where you're at, I'm going to get you where you're going as long as you stay in me. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can somebody answer that question? No. So, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Worship team, would you come? I'll have to finish this next week. Say, Pastor, why do you stop? Because I can hear stomachs growling. (laughs) Either that, that's the sound effects Ivan puts on it when it's about time for me to stop. (laughs) Poor Ivan, I pick on him so much back there. Turn around and say, we love you, Ivan. Turn around, would you? Back there, yeah, okay. With all of this overwhelming reality, victory is mine in Christ, who loved me. Because of this, I am convinced that nothing. Are you feeling hopeless? Are you feeling helpless? Are you feeling hurt? Are you feeling offended? See, all the stuff that the enemy is doing right now, the enemy is doing. Why? It's, it's the whole reality of living and dying. Victory and defeat. How does the enemy do it? He divides to conquer. So if he can put a wedge, listen to me if you're online, between you and your church, he's on the way to conquering. I can hear you out there. If he can put a wedge between you and your pastor, oh, it's the pre- no, you're on the way to being conquered. If he can put a wedge between you and your fellow brothers and sisters, well, it's them. You're on your way to being conquered. Why? Who put the wedge there? God is not the author of division. God is the author of peace and hope and strength. Well, bless God, what about this? Why don't you go and talk to him? Why don't you go deal with it? Why? Because it's easier not to. Look, Look what it says here. See, the enemy's pretty good at this divide and conquer stuff. Look at this. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from love's God, for God's love. Death, life, angels, demons. How did this get in there? Our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow? How did that get in there? You better check your Bible. I might have wrote it. No, it's in your Bible. Oh, yeah, and God knows how the devil works. So he also said, not even the powers of hell 
can separate you from God's love. The only way that I can get separated from God's love with this guy right here is I have to separate myself. Or if I want to operate in God's love, I have to restore myself. The picture in everything that we have today, ladies and gentlemen, the devil's trying to steal hope. When we are in Christ, our hope is secure. When we are in Christ, our hope is secure. Our hope's not in circumstance, not in this stuff. It's in Christ. Am I making sense today? Ladies and gentlemen, this is how I walk every day. I've got to. Especially now, once again, I went back through my, my seminary transcripts and there was not Pandemic 101. I couldn't find it anywhere. You do the next right thing. All y'all is going to go home and watch Frosty too. You got to watch for that part. That's, a, that's not Frosty. What that? <laughs> Frozen. Yeah. I'm working on it. Okay. Not even. Don't laugh at me like that, Gloria. I can see you laughing. Oh, that's right. Look at it. Not even hell can separate me. No power in the sky above, the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. I don't know where you are. But I know what you can be. If I can take you back to that 91st Psalm, and if I can ask you, when you get home, read that Psalm. Don't read through it. Read it. It starts out with the key. The rest of it makes no difference if you miss the key. You have to dwell in the shelter of the Lord Most High if you're going to rest under His shadow. You have to dwell in Him. Father, in this place, I believe thirst has been quenched. Because it's your word that has gone forth. And it goes forth for one reason. And that to, to accomplish that which pleases you. And God, you love your children so much. That you gave your only son. And just what we read. How much more would you do for us? There's no limit. God, today, help the helpless. Give hope to the hopeless. Give peace to the uncertain, the fearful. And God, give grace. Give grace to those that just don't know what to do. 
I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Everything I've talked about today, I want you to hear, is only for the believer. If you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're in this house and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I tell you, he is only a whisper away. He is just waiting for you to say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. Maybe you're in this house and you've, you've allowed circumstance, you've allowed situation to draw you away. It's time to come back. It's time to come back to that relationship that you know you're supposed to have. That you once had. Maybe if you're in the building and heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you say, Pastor, I, I am. I have allowed a separation. I have allowed that absence. And just like you said, it didn't make the heart grow fonder. Matter of fact, it made the heart grow more distant. And God, today, our pastor today, I need to come home. Pastor today, I need to return myself back to that right relationship. If that's you in the camera, if that's you in this house, I wonder if, it, if you, by a step of faith, you would just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I see these hands. All over this building, hands are going up. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Come on. If that's you, you haven't raised your hand yet. Come on. Lift your hand up high. Put it down. All over this building, hands are going up. Now look at me. Everybody, put your hands down. You're not alone. Can I say that there was people in here that their pride didn't let them raise their hands? Now, don't get me wrong. That's not a, a bad thing. It's a human thing. I don't want people to think that I can't handle it. Folks, let people think because they already know. I know. You know why? Because I've been there. You know the wonderful thing about these messages? I get to, pre I get to repent before I preach them. God nails me the whole time I'm putting them together. And so if there's something wrong, I get to get all right with God you know, while it's happening. If you raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room to say this prayer out loud. But then I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand, tell somebody. I know we're distanced and all that kind of stuff, and it's, it's tough to go out of the way, but I'll, I will be outside. Uh, I will have a mask on. Well, Pastor, are you caught up in all? Not at all, folks. But somebody else might be. And I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to do the next right thing. My Savior nailed his rights to the tree. I guess... Putting my rights behind a piece of paper isn't going to be a big deal then, is it? But the question I want to ask you is where you've been, where you're at. When you leave here, it gives you the opportunity to get where you're going. And that's back to resting in Him. To rest in Him, you've got to dwell in Him. If you're in the camera, if you're watching online, wherever you might be, or if you're in this house and you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, 
I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer out loud. Okay? I'm going to say the prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it. Now listen, there's no magic to the prayer. No mystery, no mystique. They're just words, unless your heart believes them and means them. So would you pray this prayer? You raised your hand especially, but even if you didn't, say, Lord Jesus, I know who you are, and I know what you've done. Help me to look at myself the way you look at me. Victorious, an overcomer, a conqueror. Now, Lord, I give my life to you. I return my life to you. Today, I'm going to dwell in you because I need your rest. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Help me. Strengthen me. Fill me with your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're online or in this house, you have now came into the same realms as a woman at a well when Jesus spoke to her and said these words. Listen to me. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.